and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Emma Lovell, I am so excited to have you as my guest and I can't wait to hear your story. Thank you, Jules. It's such an honour to be with you. Uh, that You're too kind. All right, so let's start off with what it is that you do now. What are you doing and why? Yeah, so my primary focus is that I'm a personal branding coach. So I right. help female leaders to show up and make an impact, to share their message and to live and love their brand just as I love my own brand. Right. So um, PR, is that kind of the focus or, or how do you do that? No, actually, and it's, it's quite interesting because I'd say, you know, as you know, PR is one part of the umbrella. Uh, uh, and I, of a big marketing mix, yes. Yes, and I came from PR originally, um, but over the years, over my 12 years of running a business, I've sort of acquired many skills and actually at my 10-year anniversary of Lovely Communications, I was like, well, what's next? And I actually found it hard to um, introduce myself because I did all the things, you know. It was PR, marketing, <laughs> social media, writing. Basically, yeah. if you asked me to do it, I would do it. Um, you know, can I? Yes. Should I? Probably not, but I did right. anyway. And I just was like, well, how can I serve people more? And I was actually working on brands, more business brands, and I kept finding an issue of not having this key messaging down. They would just be starting with a press release, say, or just starting with an invite for an event. And it's like, well, what's the point of the event? What what are we doing? What's the tagline? I don't know, just make it look pretty and then we'll work backwards. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So I was like, we need this key messaging document. And it kind of became my, like, um, I guess my key thing that I went in, my IP that I worked on this messaging. And I'm like, let's get to the real crux of what this is everybody get on the same page and then we can go out and create content afterwards but if you don't know what you're saying or or who you're saying it to what's what's the point yeah and and it's it's often so hard for business owners to articulate what it is that they do yes as as you would know you keep saying to them and and tell me a little bit more (laughs) yeah I do this okay yeah Um, but how or why or you know what I'm the best but why are you the best um why should I listen to you but no um and well anyway I was like just the the issue that they were having in terms of how to communicate what the the event or what the thing or what the business was about, as do people. And I like working with people. And I found that when I went in and worked with the business, sometimes I was just a cog in the wheel and you would deliver the work, especially with writing, my writing work, you would deliver this one piece of writing and I would sometimes never see the fruition of that. And it was the people that I enjoyed working with and I wanted to see more of the journey. I wanted to see the start to finish and not just on a project basis. And I wasn't really getting, I guess, the fulfillment from that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, packaged up my services. So using all of my skills, all of the things that I loved doing for all the different people. And yeah. I work with with um, individuals but also in a group program yeah. um, to help them go on that journey of understanding who they are reconnecting to who they are we don't rebrand we can't rebrand we are who we are but we get we get clear on that and then once that message is clear and understand how to communicate it then you can go out and do all the content and then you would go and do the PR so you know we're I'm way, way before that. <laughs> so you're doing all the basics, like all the stuff that everybody needs to do as the foundation to yes. pretty much anything that they want to do in terms of marketing. So I and, love and it. And more about the person as well. Not just, you know, obviously we're here, you know, we're doing, we're running businesses and people tend to invest in themselves for businesses, but it's also what do you want in your life and what are you here for? And, and so often I have to stop, you know, I was working with a client the other day and, and I said, oh, I can see you're very good at this talking to your market, talking to your audience, but I asked you what you want and I want to hear what, what, like, I am, that statement of I am. And she was like, oh, that's hard. And I was like, yeah. "Yeah." But that's the work we're doing. (laughs) We're here, we're talking about you. Because once you get clear on all of that, talking about the values of the business or what the business stands for, you created it. So, of course, it's coming from that. But if you're not clear on it yourself and what you even want for your own life, how would you be able to? 
communicated. And of course, the other thing that, you know, and I've been doing PR with women for a long time as well. And one of the things that um, women really suffer from is I'm not interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing about me that's interesting. And you kind of go, are you kidding me? Like, oh my God, look at what you've done. So um, it's really important for people to understand, as you say, what they stand for. And also to realise that by creating their own profile and building a profile, they're helping other people. You know, a lot of people feel like, I don't want to do it because it makes me feel icky and and I'm telling everyone how great I am. It's not your, there's young girls watching you, there's other women watching you. And if they see what you're doing, then you'll inspire them as well. And that I think is really important for women to realise that, you know, it, it is important for them to build their own profile as well. And everyone has a story. Everyone is unique um you know that's right everyone and it's all of those experiences and sometimes they do forget because you ask the question of what am I doing now well I would only I'm only doing what I'm doing now because of all of the experiences that I've had and so I sort of it's that digging into and remembering all of those different um skills experiences relationships we've acquired over the time that have brought us to where we are today and that contributes to the story. And you don't have to tell people that whole story because we'd be here for a very long time, <laughs> but you have to know it so that you can pull out the parts that you need to when you're connecting. True, and that's very much what we're going to do today. So you're going to tell me your story. Woo-hoo. But before we go any further, I'm interested to know, was there a moment? I mean, I know that you said it was your 10-year anniversary, but was there a bit of a light bulb moment? Did something happen that made you go, you know what, I'm going to go down this personal branding route? Yeah, well, it was actually, um, you know, uh, one of my clients gave me this beautiful line, your mess is your message. And so my mess was that I was doing all the things and finding it very difficult to talk about all the things. And, you know, um, I often, though I'm a business owner, I was working in a freelance capacity and it was kind of like this, where's the free in the freelancer? Like (laughs) there's no free in here and there's no freedom and you can get so trapped into the um, working, you know, and it was like remembering why I'm even doing this. And like I said, it was just not really having any, I wasn't really having an impact. It was like do the work, deliver the work, get paid the money, which is nice, and then do the next work and then do the work and then pay, pay the money and um, I just, I did feel a bit lost and, um, where, where's the path forward? And I actually started working with a business coach, um, it started 2019. And I remember very clearly I was in India at yes. a beautiful, um, a beautiful site near Agra, um, exploring this site with these women I'd taken to India and then had this phone call with this business coach and I was like crying, just going, what am I going? And so it was actually through her support and help of a coach that right. I got to see all those skills and I, I didn't know how to bring them together. And as you know, you can you can package and you can campaign and you can um, deliver your services in different ways, but I didn't know how to really, yeah, to, to help make the impact that I wanted to make and to, to work with people. And so she helped me to see how all of those things could come together. And, oh, I love that. You know, I love that because it, it – it, and it was an, a business coach for me as well. But a lot of people think that they can muddle on without one, and you can, and you will muddle on. Yes. But if you really want to get some clarity, having someone on external to you who's totally subjective and can look at what you're doing and what you want to do and help you get there, I think is super important. So that that's a great story to share. Thank you. Right. Yes. So let's go on to you. So let's start with where did you grow up? And what size family do you have and what did your parents do? So I grew up in the Sutherland Shire of Sydney. So I'm a Shire okay. girl from yep. way back. Um, <laughs> if it's, and if Australians would know I hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, S- Sydney siders do. I just interviewed um, a woman this earlier, I think it was the end of last week, who also grew up in the Shire and was very Christian family um, and very religious yeah, the Shire is like, just like in The Hobbit, it's a very like idyllic place. Um, yeah. It's very, it's a lovely place to grow up, but uh, people can get a little trapped there sometimes. Right. And your world could be the Shire and you don't go over the bridge, you don't uh, exit the, you know, the, the barrier <laughs> of, of the Shire. But my parents um, were actually are English. Yeah. So I am Australian with English blood, uh, I say, and I feel very Great. at home in both places. I have, uh, there's five of us, so my elder brother, younger sister, and 
yes, we grew up in Engadine and it was a very lovely childhood. I love, I was saying to you off air, I'm going to go to the pool today. I always grew up with a pool, so I love that lifestyle. Um, my And my parents, all of my family pretty much ended up at one point working in the freight industry. So, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. A lot of people don't understand what freight is, freight forwarding. So it's, you know, you think of DHL, UPS, shipping, air cargo. Um, that's what they were working in. So my father was the CEO of the Australian Federation. My mum at wow. one point worked with my father, but now works for a logistics company who uh, was importing from they import things from Aldi, things like that. Okay. My brother went then into working uh, for a logistics company, and at one point, my sister was doing some reception, and I used to do PR with the Australian Federation <laughs> of Freight Forwarders. So right, so freight is very much in your blood. <laughs> it is, and actually, it was a beautiful upbringing because of the international nature of freight forwarding. My father was going away to conferences every year. They even yep. hosted a massive um, one of the huge industry bodies. They the Australian um, industry association hosted the world Congress. So at, at wow. nine years old, yeah, at nine years old, I was at the, um, ICC in Sydney packing bags for the conference. And so I love wow. events. I love conference. No wonder I went into PR. Um, I loved the meeting of people and I had all these people from like Asia who I call uncle. Like I've got an uncle in Thailand, uncle in Malaysia, uncles in India, you know, Beautiful. all very respectful, honorary, but my world has been very open and cultural always and my parents really encouraged us to be at the table and, and part of things. They didn't always go out to dinner by themselves or go to functions. They would take us with them. So there's my oh, gorgeous. social element and right. uh, gregariousness. Yes. Um, and so yeah. did, you, did you enjoy school? Were you good at it? I was good at it, yes. <laughs> I'm a high achiever. Um, right. Don't need much um, discipline. I'm, I'm, I will discipline myself. <laughs> Head a down, talker. thumb up, and work. oh no, I, I got you know report card was always talks too much, but I now get paid <laughs> to talk, so um, you know that paid off. Uh, but I actually went to in. I didn't realize because you don't know when you're a kid, you're just doing you're doing your thing. Yeah, whatever happens. I was very energetic. I knew that. Um, maybe slightly, slightly hyper, but just excitable. But I actually got into a selective school for year five and six. So oh, right. I sat an exam. I don't know why. I think my parents encouraged me. They must have seen what, I, you know, you don't know. And then I no. got in. Right. Um, and there were only 30 students from the region taken in. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm a gifted. Wow, you are a gifted woman or a gifted child anyway. Yeah. so So you obviously went to year 12 then? Yes, well, then I went into you? a selective high school as well. So I had to, again, sit an exam. And I think. They were, they were really great for me. Um, my lovely deputy principal at the school said I would have done well anywhere, but I think that they really fostered that um, they didn't want us to be just smart kids. We were gifted children, so but they were like, yes, you're, you're intelligent, but don't just focus on study. Focus on... What a great school. Oh, amazing. <laughs> like we were state drama, state sports, state music. Like we had... You know, and you could do all the things like my on the in year twelve. They were like write down the extracurriculars that you've done, and I had to actually ask for another page. <laughs> I did all the wow, things. Wow, yeah. you did do all the things. Yeah. So, what did you do when you finished school? I took a gap year. <clears throat> so, oh, where did where did you go and what did you do? I got into university, so I actually had a really uh, really difficult. Uh, final year my my parents uh, separated that year and I ended up getting post-traumatic stress from that which I didn't oh Emma I didn't understand that I thought PTSD was reserved for um, veterans and people who'd been through natural disasters but no apparently if you've had a trauma it's post-traumatic so um, I ended up uh, ha- I guess getting going to depression so I right. had depression in my oh, final year poor of- thing yeah, I've actually become. I'm actually now a volunteer speaker for the Black Dog Institute, and I share my story very openly. Um, it's oh, quite brilliant. common. Um, it's common. Um, yeah. And, but it's challenging. So it's it's okay to not be okay, but it was really, it was really hard. I remember a friend saying to me, "I just want the old Emma back." Like. Oh, Emma, know. that's it's so tr- that's so <laughs> hard though at that age, and particularly yeah. in year twelve. Yeah, so I, I had amazing teachers. I had an amazing deputy principal who really supported me and um, I did actually get into university and but I put the place on deferment. So Right. 
And then I went to, yeah, I had a, I had had that goal since I was nine years old. Lots, a lot happened when I was nine. But, um, it did. I it was wanted a formative go, year for you. Yeah. <laughs> looked at the world map and wanted to plan it out. And so I went and lived in the UK, got to know my family a lot better. Right. Went, Whereabouts in the UK are they? Just outside of London, so south, like Surrey. Lovely. And I went. I went to boarding school in Surrey when I was younger. Oh, there you go. Yes, <laughs> um, there you have. A, we have a lovely accent. It's a very um, mild uh, English accent from. That yeah, area. well, I, I guess I was twelve before I moved to Australia. So, okay. Um, yeah, hear, hear the elocution. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so you went and, and hung out with the family in Surrey. Where? What else did you do? Did you? Because being in England makes you so close to the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. Did you do a bit of travelling around? So I went via India. I, in in my final year of high school, I went to a conference with my dad in India, which absolutely changed my life. I loved it. Um, it's such an amazing country, isn't it? Yeah, I've since been 11 times. Um, wow. I really love it. I have a travel yeah. partner in India, so I actually do arrange trips to India now for people. Yes, and we'll have to get to that because yeah. that sounded really interesting. <laughs> I, I, I took a group of friends for my 50th. My dad oh. was born in India and my grandparents lived there for 35 years. So um, many years ago I did a big long trip and found – their signing of the wedding registry and all that kind of thing, but oh. I absolutely love it as well. Magic. But um, what a great thing to do to take people there. Anyway, so you went to India. Was was that on the way to England? Yeah, so I said back? I wanted to go by there and I because I'm the sort of person, if you invite me to come stay or you invite me to do something, I will do it. Right. Um, and so I'd <laughs> met this um, businessman at the conference and he was like, you'll love my children, um, come to our family home. We went to visit his um, property in Delhi and and then, you know, he'd said that. So I just wrote and said, can I come stay with you guys on the way I'm going oh, to? Would have, they would have loved it. They did and it was so wonderful. And he actually recognised something in me and he was like, mm, started talking to me about his company in England and all this stuff and I was like, I don't know where this is going. Anyway, basically offered me a job. Um, I had actually lined up to be an au pair for my cousins. Right. But when I got there, I quickly realised I would have drowned in that um, <laughs> place. That, that, is not, that is not the space for me. Um, I, I love my cousins, but, you know, all that mixing of family and all that stuff. And it, was, it just seemed like a nice, I guess, soft landing, but it definitely wasn't me. I've, I've always had that business um, inclination. Yeah. And so, yeah, I ended up being the marketing person in this uh, little freight company in, in England that I so that worked in freight. So there you go, it's yes. all connected. Um, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And <laughs> I, get, I was like, truth? I guess I'm a um, marketing person now. So I just, you know, 18 years old and working in this company and doing Europe trips on the weekend. And um, I went to Malaysia as well. And Nepal, I'd gone on the way. So just, just yeah, wow. I took every opportunity. Very adventurous. Yeah. And so how long did you, so you stayed in England for just the year, the gap year? Yeah, I got a temp job in the end. I did that job for the three months and then I went and I wanted to do the whole, I'd never wanted to do it, but um, a few of my brother's older friend, um, my older brother's friends were also in England and doing the whole backpacker, you know, yep. live in a share house thing. And I was like, okay, I want a bit of that. I lived with my grandmother for a time, which was amazing. And I'm glad I've, I've had that experience, but I needed to be a young person too. And so I went and lived in a house with 10 people. Did the um, tell me what was it in Acton? It was in Acton. It was Acton. Of course, Massive. it was. Acton is just you know mini Australia in London, isn't it? It is. And we used to go to the Shepherd's Bush walkabout and and the, yes. the, the red back and and drink these horrible drinks and um, it was amazing. It's weird, isn't it, that you go to England and then end up wanting to do Australian things like go to Australian bars and hang around but it is fun and everybody is in that same kind of frame of mind of we're here on an adventure yes it's a it's a very um specific time of life and you know you wouldn't always do that but it was it was super fun and so yeah I got a temp job um at at Gumtree which is now huge but at the time it was a little a little little offshoot of yeah of and I worked in the eBay building right um and I was this close to staying um actually because I could I was doing, you know, it was a fun job. It was a, a great company. Um, I could see how I could progress. But mm. I did have a moment of I'm going to do a business degree. I could right. actually come in a lot higher. So, yes, I could stay here. I could work my way up and I could have this great life. Or I could go and do my degree and, and come in and be at that, I guess, leadership More level that I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so I went home. So you came home. And where did you go to uni? 
UTS, University of Technology, Sydney, okay. which is um, UTS is also code for the ugliest tower in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> I have a brand strategy um, um, diploma thing from there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty ugly building. It is. Um, they, they've actually done amazing makeover. Though. Like the campus looks incredible now and, and the business building was pretty cool down where the library was, but the, the main tower is pretty, pretty um Unattractive. Yeah. But it was a great, great uni and it was very, their degree, the business degree was very practical and I would still say it's one of the the sort of preferred business degrees because it does cover a full spectrum. Uh, And then I I took up uh, PR. So after doing your first year and you do all the basic subjects, I thought I wanted to do advertising and I was fully set on advertising and then I did the advertising subject and I was like, "Mm, I don't know, I don't know if advertising is for me and discovered PR in the marketing mix, in the marketing yep, subject. Yep. And I was like, well, that sounds a bit more like me. And so I, I did a, um, yeah, sort of sub-major in, in PR. Right. So what did you do when you finished? So you've, you've come out, you've got this degree and a gap year of, you know, great experience under your belt. What was the first job? Well, I actually did a six-month exchange in Mexico. Um, so, <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> yeah, well, I signed up to do the international. I did actually get into a, a double degree business majoring, uh, business and international studies. But right. I realised that that would have had me at uni for five years when actually I could do an exchange, which would be six months within my degree. So I could still, I could do it all in three years. And yeah. you know me, I like, you've heard now, I like to do all the yes. things. So I'll cram it in. And I actually got a scholarship. Um, well, I wanted to go to Spain. I loved. I wanted to learn Spanish. That was the main thing. And I'd been to Spain on my gap year, and I loved it. I loved that culture, the um, Latin it's, sort of. Yeah, it's a fabulous country. Mm. And Spanish is very handy. It's the second most widely spoken language in the world. So if you know that, you can speak to a lot of people. Um, and communication is my key. So yes. But then the the wonderful person in the exchange office said, "Have would you consider Mexico?" Um, and they had this North American scholarship. And so I was like, uh, yes. And <laughs> it was another one of those really formative times. Like just travel just is a thread throughout my life that is um, amazing things happen. I'm actually going to the US and UK next week and I'm really excited for where my mind goes when I travel and the, the opportunities that I see. I think literally that going up in the plane, being elevated, being in a different culture, seeing different things, perspective, you get perspective. And yeah, Absolutely. I think it's been so formative for me. So we just had this amazing crew in Mexico and this wonderful time of life and I got to fully be a student because in Australia when you're studying, you're often working as well. You don't really don't really do True. that whole college experience or university experience. You still live at home often. So I got to fully embrace the university life and it was really, really wonderful. I came back, broke my back, um, snowboarding. What? Yeah. Oh my God, Emma! <laughs> I, I, I told you I fit a lot in. Yeah, so you, yeah, you have. Okay, so you <laughs> broke your back, but uh, obviously it was able to heal. Yeah, I've, I've since literally climbed mountains, but um, it was actually again a really amazing. I was probably, I'm probably doing a little bit too much and taking on a little bit too much, and it literally was like the universe telling me to stop. Like if you don't stop, I'm, I'm going to make you stop, and right. I. There are still moments, which is a really sad thing to think, but there's moments where I think if I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, I'm like, I wish I would break it back, like break a bone because then I can rest. And you're like, okay, oh, that's, that's we're into bad. danger territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, when that's, you know you need a rest. <laughs> you know, um, going to hospital is the only way you can rest. No, 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 it's not. But it was a lovely forced rest and I cut back on my subjects and so I extended my degree by um, six months and I actually did really well in that semester because I – I had time to focus and I felt like I was not as present. So I was like, oh, I'm really going to dedicate to the work. And and I loved that time of being able to say no to things. I was like, no, I physically can't go out. No, I can't do this. No, I only have this capacity. And so it taught me boundaries. How to say I, no. <laughs> you know, promptly forgot the year after. So I keep getting <laughs> these reminders from the universe. But I, I think I kind of got the idea then. I started my, my blog around that time, 2009. It was a very yep. huge year for me. Started my blog, really got into social media, got onto Twitter. Social media was still newish then. Um, yeah. I'd only been on Facebook three years at the time and I was still an early adopter. Um, yeah. Using social media, and you know, in terms of for marketing, I was getting into that. And, yeah, I just was like I'm, 
what the hell, I'll start my own business. So I actually started Lovely Communications in 2009 while I was still in uni. Right. I had my first client um, come through, through a travel client actually. So, of course, that was the right. way. And I was doing some office junior marketing PR role merged with my with the organization my father worked for. And so I said, right. can I, instead of being an employee, can I turn you into a client? So can I invoice you instead of being paid? And so they, they said, turned sure. into my client. Yeah. Right. So. And 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 so what was it like starting your first business or your well, your main business, it's still going. Yeah, I was delightfully clueless, right? <laughs> Just <laughs> Well, I always say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> it, it was bliss. It was absolute bliss. And I, I did learn quickly the, you know, the can I do it, should I do it, no. Um, yep. So I tried some things, you know, um, someone would come to me and say, oh, you do. And the best thing that happened for me was that um, I would just say, I'm running a business. Because, what, what's your business? Um, PR and marketing. Okay. Oh, can you do this for me? Oh, yep. And I did. I did try things, um, quickly learned some things weren't for me. It wasn't my lane and I didn't want to do that but also acquired skills and then when I merged the social media in that's when um I guess my business really um took off took off yeah um I did some promotions work that I kept throughout so I used to go and do like um so I was I guess my own agent for that and that was just freelance but promotions was such a great way to see marketing and PR in action yeah um got into speaking during university as well. So I used to um, MC gigs at the university and then so got into that through the promotion as well. We would be booked as an MC or, or speaker. Um, wow. What a go-getter you are. Yeah. And it just, well, I just had that flexibility um, to, and then through the blog, you know, through my um, love of writing, uh, then I would get, you know, people would see the blog, I guess, as an example of my work. And then I would be asked to, write an article or I'd say, oh, I can write an article for you and did the terrible thing of like, oh, how much do you charge? I think that's the hardest thing when you're a small business. Um, oh, I know. I know. And what's weird is when you double it, people don't even flinch. Yes. And I would have been undercharging <laughs> you, you for a all, long time. <laughs> yes. I think all of us when we start our PR companies think people aren't going to pay that much. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's how long a piece of string and of, of when you're doing a campaign. And I think that was another turning point for me in terms of when I – transition to personal brand coaching and specializing in personal branding because any project no matter even when you do have your rates down it's still you know someone comes to you and goes can you write a website you know is it four pages is it 20 pages is there That's you know, right. is a page you know 100 words of copy or is it thousands of words of copy like it, it's just and you know time frames are always flexy so it is very you are managing a lot and without uh, mentors and without people who are ahead of you and you're trying to do it alone, it is damn hard. So I've been very fortunate over the years to have um, people in business uh, who are generous with their time. I mean, we both know um, oh, Source Bottle. I remember, you know, yes, I, that's Beck where I first saw. You know, people like Beck. Um, I had a wonderful uh, mentor called Joanna Baker-Dowdle who I did subcontracting to her. So she was a publicist. I did subcontracting. Okay. So I kind of got some, I guess, legs up in that um that's how I met Osmanpreneur women I actually did the PR for them like worked on their PR campaign like 11 years ago finally right. met them two years ago you know <laughs> it's just amazing how this world you know things all come together but the biggest um lesson was ask for help learn from others um and network 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 like all of my so much of my business has come from word of mouth and referral and people going Emma's great you should work with her. I yeah, know Emma and she yeah. does this because I was always saying, hi, I'm Emma and I run a business and this is what I do. Yeah, fantastic. You're amazing. Okay, uh, now along the way of running lovely communications because I'm guessing that the personal branding um, hasn't been for too long. In fact, well, I should ask first, has it? How long ago did you pivot? Three years really. Um, okay, beginning of pandemic. Well, yeah, I'd say, yeah, three, oh, two and a half really like officially. I think it was the start of 2019 that I knew something had to shift and it was sort of a six-month transition of finishing up with the clients that I had um, in the various formats that I was working with them. I did keep on some contracts, um, you know. Just to tide you over while you build the other side of the business. Well, and you know, I, I, don't, I think that's something that people sometimes get um, 
when they think that you, you run your own business, it's like, well, I can't do any work for other people. And it's like, you're still working for your clients. They just, it's just in a contract format. Yes. And having many strings to your bow is smart. Yes. There gets a time though where like even last year where I was still doing some writing work and then you realise that that's detracting from what you primarily want to focus on and that's when you go, okay, I no longer offer that service and I'm going to focus on this or I can't take these contracts because if you're someone who shows up and gives you all, you're going to obviously give all to that client and then to that contract and then not be able to focus on your own you know, as we know yeah. in the business, you have to continuously, consistently market and promote and connect and repeat, rinse, repeat. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. if you don't have time for that, then you're not bringing the new business. And that's where I walked away from it actually in 2009 too, was just, it felt like it was feast or famine, you know, yep. I'd be work, 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 and be like, oh, too much work. Love the clients I have. going to focus on this and just shut down any sort of um, new business brand building kind of opportunities. Yeah. And then all of a sudden those contracts finish up, those clients finish up, things, and then you go, oh, wow, I have no work. <laughs> or I would wrap them up because I like to go on, um, which I've, I've just learned a new term called mini retirements. I didn't realize I'd been doing it for a long time <laughs> where I just want to bugger off for two months and have an amazing yeah. trip. And I, I had the flexibility to do that. But then coming back to restarting was very difficult. And so... As I said, because I was doing all the things before writing a newsletter, just felt like, well, who's it for? Who's it to? It's so varied. Um, yeah. And I also had that fallback of going, oh, well, I get clients through word of mouth, so I don't need to to market. And I love it. When anyone says that to me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Please do as I say, not as I did. And no, 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 you need to continuously yeah, be nurturing you your audience and staying connected. And because I'm a very social media native, I, I guess I was always naturally doing that anyway, telling people what I was doing. So I, I'm always present, but I wasn't, I was always dancing around, I guess. And then when the crunch came and I would go to people and go, I need work. Um, do you have anything on or do you know anyone who needs me? And it was great. It would, would always deliver, but it, like it shouldn't have to get to famine point. It should be the no. case, that continuous... I, I- and when you're new to business and running your own business, you don't see that coming. No. And, uh, and and really, to keep the balls in the air and keep the new business going, it takes a certain amount of energy. But starting from scratch again, mm-hmm. where, when you have let things grind to a standstill, is a six-month process. Yeah. And it's a very stressful six months if you haven't got any money behind you. So, Absolutely. yeah, really, really, really good advice. <laughs> um, during the course of Lovely Communications, was there anything that happened – that became a bit of a, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, did you ever have anything happen that at the time seemed like a disaster, but you look back on it and kind of go, well, actually it took me in a different direction that it was great. Um, have you had any ups and downs like that that you can share a said, couple of challenges? <laughs> I think a feast or famine was pretty much like the the name of the game, but um no, I, you know, and his friend actually said a really great thing to me around that, you know, that the whole ups and downs. And I was like, I just, I'm so sick of the ups and downs. I just want some steadiness. And she was like, you know, like a heart monitor when you're in hospital. I was like, I do understand hospital. I've been there. Um, and it goes up and down and you've got those, you know, peaks and troughs. Yep. She goes, when it goes flat, you're dead. So she goes like, we don't want flat. And I was like, okay, so maybe just not quite so violent (laughs) up and down. But she's like, but you are, it is going to be up and down. And it's like that um, success, you know, that there's like a meme that goes around. It's like you think success is this arrow that goes straight up and it's a linear direct line. It's not. it's a big squirrely line. (laughs) It's a big old squiggle. And I think just remembering that is important. So it's definitely been ups and downs. So there's definitely been um, feast or famine. Two, I guess, challenges two times and I can really recognise. One was getting an epic tax bill. Um, Ouch. Yeah, we've all, I think we've all had that. Yes. And it's, you know, it's, it's like, it was really nice. I had a psychologist. I've always um, continued with psychologists, having a psychologist, like taking care of my mind um, over these years. It's, it's a maintenance thing. Um, yeah. And I remember going to her and being so, so stressed about it. And it's like, I'm failing at business. Like, how could I be so stupid? How could I not understand it? 
at a time, I'm sorry, it's like an $8,000 tax bill, which to me was huge and I'd never had that before and it, it was very daunting. And, of course, I didn't have any put away. A lot of people coming up and going, you should really put 10 to 15% away. And I was away. like, well. Thanks for letting um, me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll put 10 to, 10 to 15% away of nothing right now because it's like there's always bills. And I've had times where there's $17,000 worth of invoices I'm outstanding. You know, there are times where people don't pay. and that's, Which is just so stressful. It's terrible, but unfortunately it, it happens. And, yes, we should buffer for that, but life happens and sometimes it just doesn't work out. I am yeah. now implementing the Profit First system, and um, which, you know, really segmenting. Oh, yes, my, my partner did um, the audio book for mm. that book, which is work out how much you've got and then put your profit away first and then make the rest of it. Work. work and it, it's a percentages thing and it, it is speaking to me um whereas traditional accounting I did the subject doesn't didn't you know I get it conceptually <laughs> the numbers is not my favorite place to be so um anyway I just she reframed it for me and that reframing was so helpful and she was like you have this big tax bill because you've grown and you didn't expect that growth and it means that you're being successful and then she actually said to me because she's a business owner as well and not that psychologists but to give advice but she's like can we just step outside of that for a minute and she's like it is normal to have this every business will have this at Goes some time through it yep and she's like there is a thing called a payment plan with the tax office you can go on a payment plan you do not have to pay at thousand dollars right now and you know I felt a lot of shame around it and it was like so shameful that I couldn't pay it and my gorgeous now husband partner at the time was offering to help me pay money um give me money to tide me over I was saying no and wouldn't accept it because it's my responsibility. It's yes. my business and I've got to do it all alone. Even if I can't sleep at night. <laughs> and, you know, it was such a big lesson of like take the help, take the strategies that are there. So I went on the payment plan, which was a lot more manageable. I, out of pure, I guess, um, just needing to make that nod and make that, um, I'm thinking of the word, but accepting the offer from my husband of, the help and I was like, yes. I will accept your money. I will give you this opportunity to support me because I am a very independent person and he doesn't And it's nice for him. Yeah. It's, it actually was a really nice thing and it was like he literally – and I, the, my first thing was to run out and try and get work and I literally was like, I'll take anything and was like delivering flyers that day. It was so stupid but I felt like I had to do it all alone. So, no, that was a huge lesson. Accept the help. Um, there is no shame. We all have these times where – we need that extra help and unexpected things happen. And you're um, very lucky to have had that help. You know, there's a lot of people that don't. So I'm so you do, abundant yeah, you've got and to, blessed. You've mm. got to grab it while it, while the opportunity is there. And that's that's a big learning as well, really, isn't it? To, it to, is. And, and I'm incredibly independent too, but every once in a while if you do accept help, because I love helping other people and yes. I know you do too. So it's kind of like why don't we give other people that opportunity to help us, you know, because it makes them feel good too. It's a it's um, a gift, a real gift to be able to do that. So, yeah, is. I would just say, um, yeah, that was a huge challenge for me and it was definitely a, a mindset shift and a reframing that helped that and to understand that, yeah, this is, this is business and it's just – understanding how to manage that. Yeah, yeah. Really great advice. Okay, so you've burnt out before. <laughs> uh, you've got a big business. My question is really on the back of uh, I've interviewed a lot of women now and I have been shocked at the number of women that have burnt out. Um, there are a massive amount of them actually. So my question is how do you juggle work and life now? Like do you carve out time that is rest time mm. um how are you managing that juggle yeah well I was I would have said my other my second challenge in business was when I found out I was going to be a mother and yeah. so in 2020 <laughs> well, that I, is <laughs> changes everything it does I, I fell pregnant and I to be honest was terrified I was I, we wanted we wanted to have family we I wanted it but when the reality of the fact that you're going to bring a human into this world happens I was very, very acutely aware of how the life change was going to happen. And so that was a, it was a good change um, in that it made me look at my business and go, I cannot run this on my own. I cannot run it in that capacity of the way I used to work. Anymore. There has to be structure. There has to be support. There has to be um, systems. 
and I went really like, you know, there's the nesting of the house when you're pregnant, there's the nesting of the finances and the nesting of the business. So um, we just got all of our finances organized, refinanced, got accounting on, got bookkeeping on that I had had, but not in, I guess, such a a structured way and a ongoing way. And it was like, I guess, just restructuring my business. I was 100% running a business all along, but it was definitely more in a sole trader freelance capacity, whereas it's now moving more into, I guess, a company format, if you will. Even though I don't have employees, I have subcontractors, I have... But um, you are, you've formed a company... Um, I've um I've gone for a trust, but I probably will go to company in the future. But just all that sort of stuff, you know, and that takes time and it takes work. But I had, I guess, a real, <laughs> real deadline. Of you did getting and, it done. And how old are the kids now? Or the, have you got just, one? Uh, yeah, I've got my one gorgeous boy. He's fifteen months, and I. Uh, the fear was because I love my business, and the fear was that I was going to lose it, and um, that I wasn't going to be able to function, and how was I going to manage it all, and. What I learned is once you have the baby, you prioritise and actually you get laser focused on what's important and what's not and he is important. My time with him is important and it's non-negotiable. And so you have to get real smart about how you use your time or what you're doing, um, boundaries, no's, all that sort of stuff. But Absolutely. Yeah, that was. So how, how does your week look now then? I mean, do you finish work at five so that you can then you know, do bed, bath and bottle and all that yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, or... even earlier, like four. Um, so I really like, I like to have that afternoon, evening time together. My son has, uh, my, my husband has him in the morning. So he's a bit more of a morning person. I'm trying to use the mornings as well, but tends to not be my, my forte. So I like that afternoon, evening, and it's really nice having that. Nope, I have to switch off. I have to go get him. Oh, no, I sorry, I don't have to. I get to go get him. I want him. to. I want yeah. to go get him. I want that time together. I want to finish our day with some walks and cuddles and play. Surely it's the best benefit of working for yourself is particularly when you have young kids um, that you can, you can have that time out to, to be with them. And so weekends and evenings are pretty much family time. Is that? Yeah. And look, my husband works, he's um, roster. He's got a bit of a different roster. So he has one weekend day on and one weekend day off. So we've really structured our time in terms of, uh, like Friday's his day with my son. Uh, Wednesday's my day with um, – Wednesday was my day off and now it's my day with him. And so then yep. I've changed Monday to be my admin self, like things I need to do for me, appointments and things like that. And, um, yeah, we just – we sort of have the, those set days that are things, that, you know, it doesn't always work out. The, the biggest thing I've tried to do is remove the word balance. I think balance is a, a myth. <laughs> and um, Right, an unrealistic expectation because balance, even though balance, if you picture it, it's like a scales that go up and down. We often think of balance as perfectly equal time in each area of Which our lives. Yeah, Absolutely impossible. not going to happen. There are times where work will need more. It's times where family will need more. There's times where we ourselves will need more. Um, but I'm going for harmony. Harmony is my word of the year. I and like it. Trying to find the flow, I guess, and find how things can work together. And so it's sort of an experiment. And I definitely am much more aware from all those past times of, of all those times of being burnt out. <laughs> and when I said I broke my back in 2009, the year later, I did not learn the lesson in 2010. I broke my mind. I literally had a, I would say a breakdown, had a panic uh, attack in my car I, yep. and everything had to stop. And I had to, I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And um, I think it was probably the time that the depression came back the most. And, yeah, it just has, has taught me that rest is important. And, the, again, with the priorities of having a child, I'm like I cannot allow myself to get to that point. I cannot break. No. I cannot um, get so run down that I can't function. So I actually rest in anticipation of that. So as soon as I start to see the signs of, you know, I still obviously we all do take on too much at times but I'm much quicker at recognising this isn't working and this isn't happening and I ask for help and it, whether it's um, going and staying at, we have a, we're very fortunate to have a holiday house. My in-laws bought a holiday house 10 minutes away. If it's me going for a night there by myself um, or whether very it's wise. going out for a date night together uh, or putting myself to bed early or, you know, cancelling meetings and calls, it, it's not nice to have to cancel but, you know, if it's choice of you or me. Oh, yeah, it's, it's be better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's not good for the person either if I'm going to be there and, uh, and distracted. All stressed and... out. And, yeah, no, exactly. So exactly. I'm much 
better anticipate anticipating uh, and seeing the signs of when things are getting too much. And That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. There's way too many people, I think, that just push themselves and push themselves and go, I know I feel terrible, but I've got this mm-hmm. deadline. It's like somehow or other, if you drop dead tomorrow or you, you know, end up with adrenal failure, you're not going to be able to do anything for a year. So no. it's well worth taking the time now. Um, okay, Emma, here's a fun question for you. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for answering? Mm. My favourite one at the moment. I usually it used to be broke my back, so I've already shared that one. So dang it! Um, (laughs) It is a good one though. It's quite shocking. (laughs) What? Then you know, it's legit. But anyway, my my new one, which is also quite shocking after you've just heard me talk for forty minutes straight, is that I did a ten day silent meditation of a pashna in India, and that is life changing. And what was why? Tell me what what was so amazing about it. Um. Everybody thinks the hard parts, they're not talking, and especially for me. And it's like, I don't talk all day. If I'm here this morning, I didn't talk to anyone because nobody was here in the house. You know, if a tree falls in the woods, if Emma's alone in the house, I don't talk. Um, I save up that energy for when I'm with people. But um, it was, I was so terrified of what was in my mind, what what is buried in there. What's going to come out. That I have got noise going on, like literally music or talking or doing things that I have run away from. And I was so petrified about that. So, and what's interesting is when it does come up and it it does some of the stuff that it wasn't as, um, I guess, traumatic as I thought it would be. And it was because you're going through this process of um, accept the reality as it is. So this thing comes up and you're like, okay, that happened, but I'm here now and this is what's happening and you sort of breathe through it. And um, what is interesting is that uh, these things that have happened to you, they, they actually show up in your body. So sometimes when people, there are pains, literal pains in your body that actually were pains from experiences in your life. And so by doing this silence and by like allowing this process, which it's not, it's not as, um, I guess, logical or uh, conscious as I thought it would be. Like it's, you don't necessarily think of a thing and then deal with it. It's, you're just going through the process of being silent and breathing and focusing on that and then something shifts. And it literally right. feels like it's almost like this like stabbing pain in my leg and then it went away. And that's right. like that's something that I've let go. And so over the over the 10 days doing that and then just being able to appreciate the, the simplicity of watching the sun move over 10 days, seeing an animal in the tree, hearing, I don't know, just the sound of, the world it was such a gift and I just cried and cried and cried on the last day because I thought what a gift I have been given and I've done a refresher since once you've done the 10 days you can do three day refreshes or one day refreshes um and yeah it's I think it's pretty challenging but if you can Ooh, make that time. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like something I'd like to do, actually. It does sound really good. So I mean, thank people you for sharing like, that. People like us, I, well, someone who, who talk about, all the time. <laughs> someone said it to me because I said, oh, I can't do that because of the person I am. And she was a very gregarious and outgoing and, and wonderful woman. She said, no, no, Emma, because of the people that we are, we have to do this. And so right. I would say this, pass on the same wisdom to you, Jules. I'd say because of the type of people that we are and the noise and then the, and the energy that we have. Uh, there's yeah I think it would be such a it's such a gift so wow it sounds amazing um okay last question is really nothing to do with your life or anything else it's just because I love my phone (laughs) um and so I ask are there any clever apps on your phone I'm not looking for you know what we all use so banking or social media or whatever but are there any clever ones that you use for business or 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 fun Um, that you want to share it's not clever at all but it is, it helps my life so much. It's just the notes, it's the notes on the phone. It just is such a lifesaver. Um, I have written blogs in that. I've written paid articles in that. I write my to-do list in that. I have a little note in there called three beautiful things. Um, so every night I write three things about my son just so I have, because I kept going to journal and I wouldn't necessarily always get there. And I was trying to spend time off the phone, but I just was like, just find a way to do it. And so, yeah, my notes so kind of notes. 
my area and if you're writing a social post write it in your notes first because there is nothing worse than going into instagram writing this lovely caption and then having it disappear on you so very true using notes and then i guess my other one um which is again not a fancy one but so helpful is voice memo yes so i use the voice memo one and again i've written articles i've written my newsletter i um delegate tasks or I re- I'd record my podcast intros in there and then I send the voice memos to Otter, uh, which is a transcription yes. thing. Yep. So then I, you know, it's not so you don't So you record it through voice memo and set rather than just recording it straight into Otter? Yeah, I think it's just it's like easier for me to grab. I know that Otter has an app but then I use the voice memos for other things or send them to somebody or something. So it's like it's easy. It's just yeah, you know, it's one amazing. extra step but it's like, if that's the process for me, then that's easier. And same with yeah, notes. No. It's like I'm sure there's there are so many note and to-do list functions and things like that, but any barrier to entry at the moment must be removed. And so notes and voice memos are basically Perfect. helping me great. run my business. Yeah, well, it's a great combo and I think that that is a really good insight. Well, Emma, thank you. This has been amazing. If anyone would like to work with you or wants to have a chat with you about one of the many, many interesting things you've talked about, uh, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? Well, I literally, we've just created a work with me page on my website so that, right. yes, I have like, you know, again, all the things and then we're in all the different places. So we've brought them into the one beautiful page. So lovelycommunications.com. If you want to be more specific slash work with me, but just go to the home page. You'll see the beautiful rainbow that was inspired by India. It's the, the holly, the color throwing. Yes. That's where my um, sort of logo background comes from. And oh, gorgeous. And um, just spell, spell, sorry, spell out the website just because it's it's a bit special, slightly yes. unusual. So I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature, but my surname is Lovell. So I added the Y, and so it's L O V E L Y communications.com. Fantastic. And then you can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, L O V E L Y C O M S. I'm there doing reels and all the things. And then. Right. Facebook, Lovely Communications, that's probably main. Oh, and LinkedIn. I love, I do love connecting on LinkedIn as we have, Jules. Um, we Emma have. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. Thank you.